What's up, you guys? It's your host, Michael Swoboda, and this is the Average Alaskan Podcast, the show where we cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of Alaskan outdoors and life up here in Alaska. It's another episode. I'm joined once again with our great co-host, Sean Love. He's back with us this week. <laughs> we got a fun episode for you guys, but first, a quick word to our sponsors, me, myself, and Sean, and our undeaded dedication to you guys. So if you guys would leave us a like, a review, a little love, share it to somebody if you get anything out of this podcast, a chuckle, a laugh, some info, whatever it is, we appreciate it. We don't run ads because we don't want to annoy you. But if y'all don't keep liking, we're going to start doing it because uh, <laughs> this inflation is hurting the pocketbook. Oh, well, we got a fun one for you guys. We got an awesome guest host for you guys. They won't be in the studio with us because, unfortunately, they live about 4,000 miles away down in New Mexico. But we'll get them on the line, have some great talks. Uh, but first, we got to do a little weekend recap. We did a little uh, ice fishing this weekend, finally got out and did some did some fun stuff. We were supposed to go up and do some skiing, but due to some uh, work conflicts and then some COVID BS and nonsense, we had to had to rain check on a good buddy and uh, hopefully they uh, still made it up to the slopes and had a good time, but uh, got out and uh, killed some fish and let some fish live and had a good one. How was it, Sean? Oh, Give us a rundown. I love just catching them. I'm just glad to be out there. Got to be outside. Got to be out of the house. But catching's just a perk. Yeah, it's just a perk of the deal. Got into some decent, some decent rainbows. A couple twenty inches. Oh, yeah. That was that was fun. You caught easily the biggest one though. Right, it was nice. That was my that was my <laughs> first fish through the ice in Alaska because I finally sucked up my ego and was like, all right, we'll go we'll go freeze for a little bit. It's all good. And we had beautiful weather. Had the tip ups rocking right off the start, and then they kind of died off, and then we were. You know, getting getting jiggy with it up in the up in the pop up, and then uh, went back again the next day and took the girls with us that go around, and that was always fun. Got into a little more fish that day, not not much of anything with size. Kept one for the the old fryer, but yeah. Let's just be clear: you your first fish, the biggest fish, the biggest fish I've seen pulled out of that spot, and I've fished there quite often. Super jealous. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I got it's it's in the blood, you know. <laughs> I don't want to call myself a professional, but I do make money doing it. So. No, some decent sized fish. No, yeah, and it was a good one. And Jordan caught a Arctic grayling, which was super awesome. That was fun. Nothing nothing giant on that, but man, that's been on my fish bucket list since I was little. So, you know, super jealous of her. She was stoked and you know, it's always just fun getting the girls out there, and yeah. they loved it. Water clarity was just primo, so, you know, them getting to watch the fish come up and hit their jigs and getting to interact with them, they really enjoyed that, so that was good. Well, no overflow. We're not, like, wading around in the tide pool inside the tent. Yeah. yeah it was so nice. It wasn't bad, you know. We got, a little, we got, like, a two-hour drive to that lake, but outside of that, I mean, we got, what, a couple hundred-yard walk to the, to yeah. the hole, so it's, it's not bad. Cake. Yeah, exactly, so... But got a fun conversation coming up. We're gonna give our give our guest a ring. Let's see if he picks up. Hopefully, that son of a gun. But let's see, yeah, we go way back. Sounds like one of those prank call shows. <laughs> hello, hello. What's up, fellas? 
Hey, how's it going, Jet? Can you hear us fine? Good, man. Yeah, yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. How's it going down south? Good, man. How are things with you guys? Oh, man, not bad. We just got hit with a warm spell. It's been up in, uh, up in the low 40s and getting a little ice melt, so that was good. We just got done doing a little ice fishing uh, this weekend, but... You know, getting ready. I'm getting ready to do a caribou hunt here in a week and a half or so, and wanted to get you on and uh, talk a little hunting. We've been talking a lot of just general Alaska stuff the last couple of weeks because you know, being the off season and stuff, not not too much going on. But you know, we wanted to we wanted to scratch that itch, and no better person to get a get a new friend on here and talk some uh, crazy hunting stories because you had a pretty uh pretty stellar stellar. 2021 so uh give a little uh intro to yourself uh i neglected to do that before we gave you a call so uh i'll leave the honors to you don't leave anything out tell us how awesome you are man oh i don't know about that but yeah yeah name's jet gomez i'm from uh northwest new mexico i I live in the four corners area so a lot of hunting opportunities over there in 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 new mexico colorado utah arizona so I, i live in kind of a a prime spot, uh, do pretty well. Uh, like you mentioned, man, I had a heck of a year this year. I drew four New Mexico tags, which is relatively unheard of. I, uh, I had antelope, oryx, deer, and then recently a Barbary sheep hunt. So I got, I was pretty fortunate to get those tags out pretty lucky, man. Yeah. Who in the, who in the state department's pockets are you lining? Cause, uh, that's right. I know. <laughs> no, I hope it happens again this year. Heck yeah, man. You, you just, you got after it. I mean, and shoot, even 2020, you had a real nice, real nice velvet muley you got with your bow. This year, you got a freaking stud. Your oryx was gorgeous. And yeah, you just got, you just wrapped up a Barbary sheep hunt. So I guess we'll start kind of chronologically hit, hit that recent hunt, that Barbary sheep. How was that, man? Yeah. So th- that was my second time hunting those, those Barbary sheep or, or also known as Awdad everywhere else. I think we're the only ones that call them Barbary sheep, but. Anyways, it was a, it was a fun hunt. So last year I did I did well. I shot a U, um, which is a female. And this year I kind of had higher standards, bigger goals. So I was a uh, kind of after a, a a big mature ram, twenty seven inches plus is is what I was gonna do. I I told myself, well, if it's not twenty seven inches, I just I just flat out won't shoot it. And I held to that standard and unfortunately didn't get it done. But it was cool. Saw hundreds and hundreds of sheep like I could have I could have easily punched my tag at any given moment but I was just holding out being picky I've kind of developed patience finally to be a quote trophy hunter I guess but yeah, better than didn't me, work man. out didn't work out this time no and that's just kind of part of that process anytime you kind of hold yourself to those standards you're gonna unfortunately have some tag soup every once in a while but man props to you on that and it's good you saw some saw some animals what was the weather like i mean you're right there you know new mexico four corners so i'm sure y'all had a little bit of you know cool temps but what was the weather like for that hunt well this particular hunt was in southern new mexico so way down south in a place called artesia so that's like pretty dang close to mexico actually and the weather wasn't bad it was in the 60s but very very windy that's uh southern new mexico is known for that so yeah we we experienced a lot of winds um but the weather was relatively warm like i said we saw a ton of animals and it was a good time just uh, didn't didn't find the right one 
Heck yeah, I know you're a busy guy. You got a wife and a couple little ones running around. Uh, how much time were you able to get out and hunt that tag? And how long that how long is that season for that tag? Yeah, so I gave it five hard days of, of, of really hard hunting. So we went real hard for five days. The tag doesn't actually end till February the 3rd, but that's a eight eight hour drive for me. So it's not, you know, I'm talking to two Alaska guys. I get that. That's just right down the road for you. But for me, that's a pretty big stretch, man. So yeah. I called it quits yeah. after five days. I'd love to go back, but I, like you say, I am busy and I just don't have the time to, to give the goat to go more. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, shoot, giving it, you know, giving it five days is fair anyways. I mean, you were, you had all kinds of hunts this last fall anyhow, so I'm sure your PTO's, you know, pretty sparse to, <laughs> sparse to begin with, but. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, I've, I've got a nine to five, man, so I gotta, I gotta do that too. Yep, gotta put the old nose to the grindstone. So were you, uh, were you backpacking in for that trip or were you kind of like based out of like a motel there and going in every day or how, what was kind of the logistics for that hunt? Oh, uh, I stayed at a friend's house, a guy I met down there. Um, uh, and I, I just stayed with him and we would, we'd get up every morning around three thirty and four o'clock and head out. And we had a, probably an hour and a half drive to the spots every day. So it wasn't terrible. And it was kind of, it, it's not my speed. That's for sure. It's, it's different for me. So it's a lot of road hunting. You just drive to this mountain range and, and glass for sheep and drive around the corner and glass for more sheep. until you finally find something you want to, you want to chase. But unfortunately I didn't this time, but yeah, so it's a little, a uh, little different rhythm for me. I'm not used to the whole riding in the truck and glassing type of deal. I, I usually backpack in and, and do it that way, but uh, it's good to experience things like that too. Right. It's nice to take the, take the easy way every once in a while. You know, we like to, we like to punish ourselves plenty, you know, throughout the rest <laughs> of the year. So, you know, every once in a while, it's nice to sit in the, you know, air, con- air conditioned cab and, you know, glass them up. But no, that's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about your other hunts. You shot a freaking stud of a velvet muley. You shot a, I'm pretty sure a Pope and Young, uh, uh, antelope buck, if I'm not mistaken, as well as I think ha- Havelina and a turkey throughout the fall. So, elaborate a little on that. Kind of pick whatever you want to go off of there, and just you know, leave no stone unturned, man. Cool. Yeah. So my, I'll start with my antelope. That's my favorite hunt I've ever had so far, man. And and the reason being is because my whole family was involved. It was in my area where I lived, so we got to spend a lot of time scouting for it. The hunt started in August and we were, you you know, we were hitting it hard in July and really studying those antelope. And like I said, it was cool to, uh, to kind of introduce my daughters into hunting that away pretty much. They were one, one's too young, obviously, but the other was very, very involved. And, you know, she was getting to where she was naming the antelope and she knew which buck was which. And it was cool. Uh, so like, yeah, that hunt started in August and I, I did, I ended up bagging a really nice, uh, 77 inch antelope with my bow nonetheless so that, that was challenging in itself uh, pretty cool story I was just uh, I was sitting in a ground blind on a on a water hole with everybody and trying to keep the kids quiet and stuff like that but there was this one buck in particular I was after and, and I didn't end up getting him but I saw him across probably half a mile away like on a ridge and I'm like well I can sit here all day long and he'll eventually come to this water, but uh, I didn't have the patience. So I just 
got aggressive and went after him. And <clears throat> during that little journey, this other buck, this one that I ended up getting, kind of presented itself perfectly. And it's like, I just told myself, man, this is the buck I'm supposed to get, I guess, because this is absolutely beautiful. He was standing there uh, quartering away 53 yards, and I just hammered him, man, right in the right in the pump house with my bow. And like I said, it was cool because my whole family was there with me, and we got some cool pictures and just got to experience it start to finish. Uh, the girls got their hands dirty and, and helped me out in processing it and just uh that was that was a very very memorable hunt one i will definitely never forget no yeah that's awesome and you know like you like you mentioned your girls are pretty young so you know especially the youngest you know might not necessarily remember the experience but just it's the you know the best pictures you know almost you have a great instagram you know you definitely you can tell you're a family man and uh you know having the girls in all the pictures and it's just cool seeing you know because it almost it's like man you know how bad's that meat gotten because how you know how how long has it been sitting there to get the girls out there but no you're you know you're a good dad and you know packing them around and getting to really you know cut their teeth on some real real adventures real young so that's super awesome and you know there's nothing better than getting to share those experiences with your your own kids and I look forward to doing that with you know my kids when I eventually have them and because I know my favorite memories from being little was always you know hunting fishing and being with my dad my uncle you know whoever it was and just getting to be you know the nuisance that's always whining and crying and wanting food and you know just making all all kinds of racket and scaring stuff off so no that's that's awesome and especially to get it done with a bow in that circumstance that's just you know amazing yeah, man, that's a, that's a hard hunt. So uh, as probably we all know, antelope are, are extremely tough animals to hunt with a bow, probably one of the easiest with a rifle because they're so curious. But with a bow, that's a that's a tall order, man. Uh, these, these things have amazing eyesight. They're super fast. They call them speed goats for a reason. But yep. yeah, so I was, I, I got lucky, man. I was, I was totally happy with it. It was a, it was a great opportunity and I, I bagged a really good one. Heck yeah. And how many, so not super familiar with New Mexico's, uh, draw situation. Is that a preference point, bonus point or lottery, uh, draw for those? So our entire state, there's very few over the counter things. There, there is some animals over the counter, but we are a hundred percent lottery draw. And the odds for that hunt right there that I had, there was only, I want to say five tags given. If I'm wrong, it's 15, but anyways a very limited amount of tags in that unit and somehow i got it there's a there's like a two percent chance of drawing it i got extremely lucky in that aspect alone that's tough and so when you uh when you applied for that is that a uh an archery only tag or is that a any any weapon you just chose to take your bow like what was the specifics on it exactly yeah, that specific hunt is, is archery only. Yeah, you're, that's it. And uh, I prefer it that way. I'm a, mainly an archery hunter. Putting a rifle in my hand is a little foreign to me, but I love that too, nonetheless. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's crazy that it's still a 2% draw for, you know, being yeah. an archery only tag. Cause you know, we've got the same system up here as being uh lottery for all of our draw tags. Luckily we can pretty much get over the counter for anything and everything. So that's, you know, foreign to most States and especially a state in the Southwest. Cause unfortunately most of them are pretty, pretty restricted on the tag allocations, but no, that's crazy that, you know, 2% for an archery only tag, but you know, lucky enough, like you said, lucky enough to get it and more more than lucky to put it all together and have the whole family there. Yep, yep, it was awesome. Yeah, we have very, very limited over-the-counter options in New Mexico. It's, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it, it is. It's just lottery. You, don't, you never know what you're going to get. But that could mean anything. You could grab a bighorn cheap tag first time applying. You know, you just, you don't know. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, it's got its perks, I guess. Pros and cons to everything. Exactly. I've always personally been a fan of the lottery style. Everybody, you know, up here come, you know, we've got our draw results coming out here in a couple weeks and the first day, you know, the results come out and everybody immediately goes, we need to switch to a preference point system. This is bull crap. I didn't get my tag, you, you know, this and that. And, you know, I've always been a big proponent of just the straight across lottery because, you know, it is unfortunate when you've got somebody who's been putting in for 30, 35 years and they just never draw that tag thereafter. But it's just so many states in the West now with their preference point system. I mean, max points are getting up to 26 to 28 points. And, you know, if you don't start when you're 10 years old, it's just you're so far behind the curve. And, you know, a lot of those real coveted hunts, any of the, you know, sheep hunts or a lot of the lower 48 moose hunts mountain goats any of those are once in a lifetime and if you you know if you're a late introduction you know if you don't get into hunting until you're 30 35 like you're never going to have an opportunity to chase one of those unfortunately but at least with the lottery system you got a fair shake every time even if it's you know a one percent two percent three percent chance you know at least at least you know you're getting a fair shake at it Oh yeah, absolutely, and that brings me to my next hunt, man. I, I, uh, you know, like you said, people put in for thirty years and never draw it. Well, that's the case for Oryx, and I happened to get it my second time ever applying for it. So, yeah, I did. I had an Oryx tag also in August. Uh, that was the whole month, so I focused hard on antelope, and then went and chased Oryx down in southern New Mexico, and that was also a great hunt. It was an off-range hunt. So what I mean by that is. The orcs are primarily on the white sand missile range here in New Mexico, and obviously some some do escape the missile range, and and they call that off range. So I drew an off range orcs tag, and some people call them Gims Buck, but yeah, that uh, got that tag. That was a rifle hunt, and got one on day one actually. So that was a great hunt. Uh, there, that is probably the toughest animal I've ever hunted in my life. I had a 28 nozzer and he, he ate four of them before he finally fired it was nuts yeah i know they're, they're notorious for being tough animals if i'm not mistaken they're originally from uh uh shoot either northern africa there in kind of the uh egypt area or i'm pretty sure that's where they originate but yeah no and i believe there's not 
believe the natural population of them has gone extinct, but there's uh, been relocated populations in Texas, New Mexico, and a couple of the southwestern states. And, you know, it's a cool, cool opportunity, and they are just gorgeous animals. If, you know, if people out there listening haven't seen one, just, you know, you can Google them, but they've got these giant, long, you know, needle-straight uh, kind of, you know, horns coming up with almost, uh, they've got like ribbed horns, but shoot, they're just gorgeous animals. I believe they're, uh, not technically in the antelope family, but, you know, very similar to them and they're just gorgeous animals. And no, I remember cause the way we met is you came up to Alaska and did a hunt with, uh, Swoboda Alaskan Adventures, but uh, you told me that you got to do one of those hunts, and I—I I mean, I was ear to ear, just grinning, like, "What? You got it?" I was like, "You got to elaborate on that." I was like, "I need to hear more about that hunt. That's just, you know, they're just such cool animals, especially to, you know, have the opportunity over in America to go chase them." Yeah, it was—it was pretty cool. That—that that was a once in a lifetime deal. Matter of fact, on the missile range, it is once in a lifetime, but. With the off range, I uh, you can draw it any year. Like I said, the odds the odds are pretty stacked against you. But yeah, I was able to draw that off that off range tag, and I'm still eligible for my once in a lifetime. So hopefully, I'll chase them again. But Oryx was awesome. They were it was a real cool hunt. Um, a little quick story on that. So my first shot at that thing, believe it or not, they're very hard to see. Like. I know that sounds crazy in the flat country of southern New Mexico, but <laughs> they blend in amazing. They're huge animals, but, man, they they are tough to see. So my first shot was at 700 yards, and I dumped it right away, hit him hard, and uh, thought, okay, that, that that's it. That's the thing gets up and just starts eating, coughing up blood, just minding its business. I'm like, gosh, dang, sucker's tough. So then it starts running off. And we, we get, we closed the gap a little bit and I'm now we're like 300 yards and I'm like, this thing has just got a gas tank and it's going and it's, you know, this thing isn't going to stop. So I didn't know what else to do besides try to cripple it in some way. So I, I shot it in the back hip and that ended up working out for me because it, it was immobilized from there. But then my third shot was kind of right in the bread basket again and still wasn't dead. And at that point, we got up, and I was going to finish it off. And that thing gets up, man, and just horns down and charges my friend. Thank God we were in between a couple bushes because, I mean, that thing was going to try to kill him. It really was. It was nuts. <laughs> uh, so, that, so that was crazy, man. We we hauled ass and ran for the hills and uh, let it lay down for a little bit longer. And I finally, my fourth shot was right in the neck and, and finally killed it, but it was insane. Those things are extremely, extremely aggressive, especially when it's about to die, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy. How do those things uh, eat? How, how do they taste? So that's my second favorite meat ever. My my favorite number one is moose. I love moose, but oryx is incredible. It's right up there with elk for me. Really? Huh. That's that's interesting. Um, I mean, I'm assuming it's a real lean meat, but uh, what's kind of – how do I want to say this? I mean – None of us are uh, sommeliers, but uh, what's kind of, <laughs> would you compare it to an elk or is it like, what's the flight? Like, does it taste like an elk or does it have its own unique flavor or? It is, uh, you know what? I don't know. I, I do compare it to elk. If, if nobody's ever had it, it's a lot like that, but just a little better, I guess it's kind of sweeter. Um, I don't know if, if I had a choice to eat oryx or elk the rest of my life, I'd, 
it'd be a hard choice. I like them both, but moose by far is my favorite, no <laughs> doubt. Heck yeah. No, that's that's awesome, and that's kind of a good transition. You've been, man. I mean, you're you're a young buck like like the rest of us, but you've gotten to get get around to do a lot of stuff, and uh, you've done a couple Alaska hunts up here, and you bagged a a real nice bull moose, a freaking dandy of a caribou. Came up after deer, but you're obviously a horrible hunter and didn't kill one. It had nothing to do with <laughs> the weather and or the transporter you took. <laughs> Big buck oh, hunter, dude, baby. That, yeah, I you can smoke Sean. Sean, who's your daddy, man? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, so, so I'll give a little background on that. So where uh, we originally met, uh, Jet, Mister Jet, Jenny, was uh, came <laughs> up here and uh, visited us on uh, as a paying customer for Swoboda Alaskan Adventures and did a deer hunt with us and. Uh, you know, we just kind of hit it out of the park, got to know each other. We're kind of like-minded, you know, kind of in the same age range. Both, uh, you know, went off to school and played sports for a while. Jet was a uh, pretty pretty accomplished wrestler back in his day in high school. Played, uh, or I guess, I didn't, you don't play wrestling. You, uh, don't, please uh, don't say play wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's play wrestling. I mean, as a football player, we kind of look at y'all as uh, playing around, but no. <laughs> But uh, you were an accomplished high school athlete, went on and played some college. Uh, or, yeah. what, okay, what is the term for uh, participating in wrestling? So I yeah, can there you go. That. That's, that's a little better, just wrestling. Yeah, there you bit. go. Yeah, I wrestled in college and then uh, even uh, went on to be a professional MMA fighter for a little bit. Uh, pump your uh, ego a little bit. We all know you need that, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, we we kind of hit it out of the park uh, on the boat. We had plenty of time to do so because uh, unfortunately it was the worst weather of the season and kind of a dog shit uh, trip to be honest. Unfortunately, but uh, you know we had good company and a good time. But you know, kind of sparked a, a friendship that hopefully we can keep going. We keep uh, you know we put it in the bug in your ear to get up here and uh, do a bear hunt. Uh, one of these springs with us, do it the the local style, and you know, get after it, shoot a couple bear, because you know you've already you've already bagged your moose, your caribou, you're freaking down to pretty much sheep, goat, a couple bears, and you'll be <laughs> you'll have the Alaska slam covered. Oh yeah, man. So that that's another thing. Alaska has been extremely good to me. It, it was about time I got a taste of humble pie. Like, although it sucked, that that weather was terrible. I didn't get a get to shoot the deer, but. Like I said, it was about time Alaska kicked me in the nuts, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's one of those, it's either, it always seems like when people come up, it's either like the best weather that Alaska can possibly give you or just absolute dog crap. Cause we've, we've <laughs> talked about that trip a little bit. Uh, we did a recap with Sean on it. Uh, but we saw, I mean, just about every season we had a day where we got four plus inches of rain. We had a day where we had three inches of snow in an hour, just howling wind. You know, we were stuck on the boat for two, two and a half days. But, you know, luckily we were at least able to get out and do some uh, duck hunting because you're kind of a, since 
uh, New Mexico is such a restricted state on getting big game tags. You kind of found your niche in the waterfowl game, and you know we were able to get out, shoot some harlequins, get some golden eye, and go shoot some ducks. So at least we got to scratch one of your itches uh, on that trip. Oh yeah, dude. I would, I would, honest to God, I'd make the trip just to do that again. Like I, I am such a waterfowl freak, and to be able to shoot one of those harlequins was pretty badass i was super excited for that and of course the golden eye that was cool too but that was a good good little trip we got into a lot of birds that was a, that was really fun yeah especially because i thank mean, god sean had some ammo for me because i couldn't <laughs> find shotgun ammo to save my life that was during the drought <laughs> yeah no that was <laughs> tough because you oh, i'm trying to remember you you brought a shotgun up but you weren't able to because you were you know, just due to weight restrictions and stuff, you're planning on buying shells once you got into Kodiak, and then just, you know, everything was dried up. You had your own shotgun, though, for the trip, correct? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was ready to duck hunt. I just, and I, I had a ton of ammo at my house. I was ready to go, but I didn't, couldn't bring it with me, and I thought, okay, I'll just buy it on the island. That's not a big deal. Well, no, I couldn't find it. And I remember it perfectly. I got onto the boat, and I saw another shotgun. I'm like, who duck hunts here? And... <laughs> That's how I met Sean. He's like, oh, me, man. I'm going to try to shoot some birds. I'm like, please tell me you brought extra ammo because I've got to shoot some feet up. And so me and Sean hit it off great. He saved my butt, man. That was awesome. My dad. <laughs> His shell stash. <laughs> no, yeah. That was a, you know, 2021 and 2022 was not a, not super kind to the, the ammo industry. That's for no. sure. And, you know, traveling, anytime you're traveling to Alaska, there's just logistical nightmares left and right. And, you know, unfortunately, Kodiak's kind of a, you know, it's it's the rock. It's in the middle of you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's a it's an established city, but uh, you know, when things are lean, things are really lean, and you know, oh boy, it can you know, it can derail something really quick. I mean, we've had hunters show up and none of their luggage gets in. You know, I've had to loan out my underwear before to hunter. Like it's just <laughs> you know, things can just get sideways in a hurry, and you know, it's nice to be able to you know, that's a beautiful thing about the hunting community. Most people are, you know, like-minded and willing to give the shirt off their back or underwear off their, uh, you know, <laughs> no, their no-no parts, but, you know, or ammo out of their pocket. So, yeah, Sean, Sean came in clutch, and now you just happen to have to come up and come shoot a bear with us. That's so. the rules. That's the rules. <laughs> yeah. You bump four oh, shotgun dude, shells, you're indebted to us for life. So, Absolutely, I am in. You just tell me when I'm doing it. Heck yeah, no. But what was uh so when did you first come up to Alaska? Because you've been up a couple times. You've got some connections up here. But uh, what was your first time up here, and what was it like? So my first time in Alaska uh, was in 2014, and my wife's uncle's a resident there, Matt Herrera. He lives there in uh, Homer, and so he asked me to come up. He had a cancellation. One of his buddies couldn't make it on the moose hunt, and I of course jumped all over the opportunity and. Yeah, so 2014 was my first time. We took a float plane out around Toke, Alaska is where it is, up north, and uh, and chased moose. And uh, fun fact, that's my first big game animal ever is a bull moose. I'm kind of opposite in that perspective. That's everybody's last goal. And that was the first thing I've ever shot. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, we did that, and I bagged a pretty cool moose, man, for my, my first son ever. 
Yeah, no, that's like you said. That's kind of backwards ass for most people. You know, most people they'll get a they'll get a white tail, then maybe shoot a turkey, and you know, kind of slowly dream about going up north or <laughs> you know, shooting an elk maybe. And you're like, ah, you know, I can do this. Let's let's get after it. What's so, the biggest critter? <laughs> exactly. There. What What's the heaviest thing I can possibly put on my oh, back? Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. Son of a bitch. That's a hard pack out. <laughs> that was my first pack out ever, but geez, a moose. But yeah, I, uh, I, I hunted the heavyweight right away. Cool. No, that's, that's super awesome. So, uh, going into the, that first trip, since it was your first big game animal, had you done any like big game hunting prior to that? Or was it just kind of, you know, you had that opportunity. So you, you know, you saw it and you took it or what was, how did that all kind of transpire? Yeah, so I had been on elk hunts before and stuff, and and just lack of experience. I didn't I didn't grow up hunting ever. I didn't have anybody to to take me, teach me anything. I'm kind of basically self taught, you know. YouTube University for me is how I kind of <laughs> learned how to do everything. But uh, yeah, I had been on unsuccessful elk hunts, so I kind of I knew kind of what I was doing a little bit. But Matt really taught me a lot as far as breaking the animal down and stuff. I had never done it, obviously and just kind of tips and tactics and stuff. And that bull moose, actually, we were uh, on one side of a lake, and he was on the other, and I think it was somewhere like 1,400 yards away from each other, us and the moose. And uh, we were raking uh, a boat paddle on a on a tree and kind of getting him all fired up. It's, it's, it's the rut there in September. So he got real fired up, and he actually swam all the way across that lake to see what was going on over there. And, as he stepped out of the water, I was like 110 yards away, I think it was, and I smoked him with the 300 wind mag. It was, it was great. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you finally get to you know walk up on one of those animals or just be close in on them. I, you know, last day of the season uh, for us, I was able to call a bull into about shoot. I didn't even end up ranging him because I could have freaking thrown a rock at him, but he was somewhere between, you know, 20 and 35 yards. But just getting a, you know, so many people, you can, you can see pictures of him, and I'm sure elk's the same way, but, like, you just doesn't do justice until you, like, see him, you know, in the flesh, on the hoof, and you get to walk up to him because they are just truly massive creatures, and they really make you feel small on the planet when you, you know, get to see them like that. Oh, they're massive. And how, so, with you guys being residents, do you have an antler restriction too, like I did? Uh, it it depends on uh, what unit you're in. So, for Homer 15C, we've got uh, 50 inches or three brow tines. Uh, most of your units that are uh, near any kind of metropolitan area, any of the major kind of hubs, you're going to have antler restrictions. Uh, we can draw for any moose or i mean any bull cow tags and we there's over the counter units where we can get any bull tags but for the most part it's 50 inches and most units are four brown tines which uh for people listening who aren't sure moose have big palm palmated antlers and they have a main palm and then they have a brow palm and they have to have a minimum of four brows on one side or the other so it could be a one by four or a four by four a two by four as long as it has four brows on one side it's legal and homer unit 15c actually 
I believe two years ago now, moved down to Three Brow, which is really nice because, I, I mean, you can you get a lot more kind of freak bulls. that You'll have a 35-inch bull that'll have three brow tines, and it just kind of, it really opens up the opportunity count, but we do still have uh, antler restrictions on our moose for the most part. Nice, yeah, so I was under that same restriction, and my moose is just, he was a two-by-two, two, but was 56 inches wide, so I, I uh, he was le- he was legal for me. Oh, and, of course, nice. I didn't really know. I'm like, I, man, do I shoot this or not? And Matt being up there so long knew right away. He goes, oh, yeah, you can shoot that boy. Yeah. He's totally big enough. And so, yeah, yeah, it was great. No, it's tough because, man, there, you'd be so surprised the amount of 49 and three-quarter inch bulls that get shot <laughs> a year. Like, and it's because, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it's tough to oh. count anything and nonetheless to try and field – because 50 inches is a very kind of random number, you know. It's right? you're like, all right, that's like four foot two. You're like, you know, you're like, what? <laughs> you know, there's no real good way to judge it. They, they kind of have a trick – Generally, the skull plate of a moose is 10 inches, they say. So they say if one side is two and a half of their head, if you can fit two and a half of their heads on one side of their antler, then they might be legal. And you're like, oh, that's a real helpful tip. (laughs) How many Subway sandwiches is that exactly? Yeah, yeah, and that's just like you crazy sheep guys. I don't know how you, you still judge those sheep. You got to have amazing optics, I guess, but. It's tough, man, to, to find a what what what's full curl and what the the growth rings and stuff like that. That's got to be really challenging. Yeah, that's another big one because yeah, they either have to be eight years old, so eight you know growth rings, which are extremely hard to count. Usually, you can see the first four pretty much clear as day. But then the rest, I'm always like, yeah, they're just lying. <laughs> they're like, you'll be watching something or you'll see something on TV, and they're like, oh, he's for sure 11 years old, and I'm like. I see three rings, <laughs> you know? and uh, and yeah, exactly. Either full full curl because I mean they seven eighths curl. You're like I think it's like you know it's like where are we measuring from? And you're 300 yards away from an animal that's constantly moving, and you know it's also a for most people once in a lifetime animal. So you're all jacked up on freaking Mountain Dew trying to you know <laughs> get the get the job done. So yeah, that's a that's another one that usually ends in a, a license getting revoked because somebody will shoot something that's you know three quarter curl or seven eighths, and it's just it's tough. You know they have those restrictions for a reason though. You know it's you know unfortunate we can say whatever we want, but there's a reason we still have a population that we can hunt every year and stuff. But you know. No, it's just it's tough and it takes time and I've I'll be blessed enough. But yeah, news to you, I got a, a new job. Uh, I won't be working for the family business the next couple falls. I'll actually be working with a, uh, a guiding operation, uh, hoofing out some uh, white curled horned animals to come August this year. So that's a oh super man, exciting. congratulations! I, I knew that was a pretty big goal of yours. That's that's cool that, that you're doing that. Yeah, no, it's been like you said, it's been a it's been a goal for about a year now in the works and finally kind of got the time together and made made the phone calls that were necessary and was lucky enough to get a, you know, a yes and 
So come August fifth or so, I'll be I'll be up in the high country chasing chasing sheep and packing them out, and then followed up with moose. So I should be nice and skinny for moose season and slapping about 150 pounds on my back a couple times around and about. So no, I'm I'm super stoked for that. Excited, just like you you were saying, you know, it's it's a crazy animal to hunt, hard to judge and stuff, and I'm just lucky to have the opportunity to start learning it, and you know be able to get some knowledge so uh after you shoot a couple bears with us maybe come up and uh draw a sheep tag and uh i might be able to give a homie discount for a for a hunt <laughs> <laughs> no man i, I, I that, is, that is way too cool that that's incredible that you're gonna have a great time learn a lot you got a hell of an opportunity for doing that no yeah i'm excited and very few people get to do it and i'm you know more than blessed to take the opportunity so i need to get my lazy butt off the couch and stay in shape so i don't squander it <laughs> yeah, that's it man oh speaking of that how's it how's the covid uh 25 been treating you you've been staying in shape i know you're a pretty active healthy dude but what's life been like down south ah yeah it's funny you say that my in fact my whole family grew both daughters, my wife, everybody's infected with COVID at the moment. Oh, everybody's sorry doing about fine. That. There's ah, there's nothing, nothing to it. It's just so far a little cold, but for some odd reason, I'm not getting it. I don't know if that is because I work out all the time and hammer vitamins or what. I'm I'm definitely no doctor, but I work hard and and try to stay fit. That's all I know to do. Yeah, you're on that Joe Rogan uh immunity. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's... that's it, man. Matter of fact, my wife uh, took a little cocktail today that, that Rogan always does talk about on his podcast, and so far, so good. It's working out great. Well, that's good. I hope they, you know, get get well soon, especially the girls, you know, want them to, you know, be good, but luckily, hope, you know, thankfully, it doesn't affect children all that bad, so, you know, unfortunately, yeah. they've oh, got yeah. it, but they'll, you know, they'll be plumb to the gills with antibodies after that and you know hopefully you stay away from it don't be you know kissing no ladies going getting some germs oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah man i just i i kill covid by burping that's all <laughs> <laughs> there you go oh no speaking of that so do you you know you've you know, high school wrestler, college wrestler, MMA fighter, backpack hunter. Do you, you know, healthy lifestyle and working out's always just been a part of your life. Do you have a daily regimen you do, or is it just kind of a, uh, you know, just built into your schedule, or do you make time for it every day, or is it just kind of your work keep you busy? How do you stay in shape? What's your uh, what's your magic to that? Yeah, so I, I do. I work out every day. I follow, it's called street parking. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's like a CrossFit workout regimen. I, I really like CrossFit a lot. It's kind of high speed. I like high intensity stuff. So I follow that. I do those workouts all the time. I have a, a gym at my house, so it works out. I'm, I am able to just pop in the garage and do a 15 minute workout, kill myself and be done with it for the day. And then uh, in the evenings, I still train MMA all the time. So I, uh, I go to my gym and, and spar on Mondays, grapple on Wednesdays and just do different type of workouts, whatever they have the rest of the week. So I'm still real active in that. And yeah, working out is a huge part of my life. And of course, healthy lifestyle. I, I, that's the main reason why I hunt. I like to eat that stuff. It's good for you. So it's always uh, good to, to kill stuff. You know, I, I, I love eating wild game and keeps you healthy. My whole family is, and we're all on board with working out. 
it's a big part of our life. I think it should be for everybody. Heck yeah, I know. It's good to it's good to struggle a little bit, you know, break a sweat and luckily I've kind of been in the same same situation as you, just always been always been active and it's just when it's all you know it's pretty easy to stay in that rut I've kind of fallen out of it those last two years but still doing small stuff here and there doing some rucking doing you know got some barbells in the house and stuff like that but I need to actually start really especially the cardio cranking that up and whatnot but no having that that fresh wild game in the freezer super nice and plus I'm sure your buddy old Dave Ramsey will appreciate the lower uh grocery cost as well so <laughs> <laughs> that's right man that's right you remember that but i don't know about you i don't know about you but i kind of felt like and i think everybody goes through it when they're a relatively high level athlete but when i was done competing and doing what i was doing there for like two years i'm like man, i'm done with this i'm tired of working out i'm tired of doing this every day and i did i got i got for me anyway i got pretty far out of shape and it's like I don't like the way this feels, so I, I got back on the, the horse and started riding again and got back in shape, and I'll, I'll, never, I'll never get out again, I hope. Yeah, no, because that, and that's the trick, because that's ex- the exact rut I fell into, you know, got done with college, and I was like, man, I'm tired of waking up at five, work it out, you know, I've been doing it for the last 10 years of my life, like, I don't yeah. want to do that anymore, but then, yeah, all of a sudden, you start getting fluffy, your pants don't fit quite right, and it's just like, ugh, and then, it, just small things that you kind of take for granted, you start getting sick a little more here and there, and just, like, small things are, you know, different, and it's like, I just told myself, I was like, quit being lazy, it's an hour out of your day, sweat a little bit, it's good for you, you feel better, you know, everything's better, you get, you know, you think clearer, your sex, drive, your sex drive's better, you're just, you know, you look better, you're more confident, everything about it just improves, but no, like you said, that's, that is, I think, a rut that probably, I'd, I'd probably say a majority of, you know, high-performing athletes fall into, at least at some point, because it is just kind of, it's almost the opposite effect of, like, the freshman, call, you know, freshman in college you get in and you're like oh there's no rules I can sleep in till you know five o'clock or you know five o'clock at night I can do whatever I can have ice cream for dinner and it's safe for the athletes it's like oh I don't have to work out today I can just pound a bag of Cheetos you know it's it, it can be tough but no I need to I need to get back into it and luckily I'm not too far out of shape and that's the other thing getting back into shape's the worst staying in shape's not that bad but what you know losing that 15 pounds is a lot harder than just maintaining and keeping it off and eating better and yeah you get in shape real quick when you go on a high country deer hunter in your case sheep hunting coming up so yeah you have no choice but to get in shape right (laughs) exactly no that was the other day i was sitting on my butt i had a half day off work and i was like Oh, I should watch, you know, watch some of my finance stuff or something like that. And then I was like, no, nah, th- went through my backpack on and it was cold as balls outside. It was like five degrees, but I was like, I'll just walk to town and Google it. I was like, oh, it's only like five miles, you know, threw 60 pounds in my bag, started walking. And then I was about, you know, two thirds of the way. I was like, man, this is what, does not feel like five miles. And finally got to where I was going, looked it up. It was like seven and a half miles and oh, freaking Coming off of not doing anything for a while, my knees were all kinds of sore and back was sore, but, you know, it felt great, you know, just getting out when, you know, nothing else is going on and it's just cold, you don't want to, but it just that, that accomplishment at the end of the day, you're like, hell yeah, I, I did something with my day and it just, it feels good, you know? 
Yeah, sometimes I have to tell my wife, hey, look, just drop me off over here and I'll I'll be home for dinner just to force myself to do something. Like, <laughs> drop me off here and I will be home in two hours or whatever, seven miles, like you said, or whatever the case is. But I've got to kind of play mental games with myself like that sometimes. Yeah, you it, must have picked that up from old uh, Aaron Schneider, huh? The, exactly. The, <laughs> the walk up That's the hill. That's my guy, man. <laughs> Shout out, Aaron. I love that guy. Heck, yeah. Aaron, if you ever want to come on the podcast, let me know. <laughs> uh, he, he's not big enough for this platform. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm I'm excited to kind of get on that regiment, too. I'm actually in the process of buying a house, and we'll be closing in March, and it's right at the top of uh, one of the hills here in Homer, and it'll be a, kind of a perfect situation to get a good, you know, three mile hike in every day with about a thousand foot of gain and just get a good hoof in every day, throw some weight in the pack and just get the legs working. And like you said, it's an hour, two hours out of your day, but it's just, you know, tell the wife to drop you off and then have her, you know, just show up at home and, you know, there's your workout, get your cardio, get your back strong and get after it. Yeah, man, that's it. Put a pack on and get after it. Only way to do it. Heck yeah. So do you have a, when was y'all's a draw, draw cycle or is that still coming up? When do y'all put in for your applications? It actually just opened up last week. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't decided what I wanted to do yet, but uh, we, we have some time. I think we have till March to get in and I think we usually find out uh, draw results somewhere around April. Oh, that's not bad. That's pretty fast. So you- it's open and going now. Do you know what animals you're going to put in for at least at this point or how many? Oh yeah. I put in for every, everything we have and I think it's somewhere around nine tags. Nice. And how does that, how does that work for y'all? I know some States you have to front the money for the tag up front, like up here, it's just like $5 an application and you're allowed up to six per animal and you know, maxed out on whatever animal, like how does that work for you guys? I wish it was like that. No, we have to pay for it up front. So, and, and, and so you pay all your fees and put in for all your tags. And if you don't draw, they reimburse you. And if you do it, just, just, you know, pay for it. But, and they reimburse you for every other tag you didn't draw. So most people get reimbursed in New Mexico. It's the odds aren't great, but yeah, that's how it works here. You got to pay for it up front. Yeah. So do you kind of, it it does get expensive. Yeah, do you set set aside money for that, or do you just kind of max out all the credit cards and go that way? I know you're a, <laughs> I know you're a pretty debt free kind of guy. So, how do you personally go about that? If you don't mind sharing that. Oh yeah, man, no no problem. Everybody has their way of doing it. There's probably no wrong way, but no, I just I just save up. I kind of know what it's going to be for me and my wife to put in for everything we put in for, and for me personally, it's like around twelve hundred bucks, but. Uh, yeah, you just come up with that money up front, and <clears throat> hopefully you draw a tag, and if not, they, they give you your money back minus $7, so it's not too bad Taxes. of a hit. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no, that, that's not horrible. So y'all's tags aren't aren't too uh, terrible then if you're you know only having to front up about 1200 I know some states shoot for an elk well, tag. They want like nine to $1,000 just for one tag. And, yeah, so that's another thing. That's being a resident. For you guys, it's ridiculous. I, I believe, I, I think I'm right here, but I think for you guys to hunt Oryx, I think it's around $1,700. And, and for me, it's 180 you know? Oh, man. So, so that's, another, that's a big deal. It's, it's 
really expensive. Yeah, that's a tough thing. And I'm, I mean, a lot of people have issues with that, but I mean, being an Alaska resident, we're definitely partial to that type of system. Cause I mean, shoot, we can hunt mountain goat and sheep every year over the counter for zero dollars and zero cents. So I'm never going to, you know, complain about paying in another state, but I know a lot of, a lot of places, especially like in the four corners region, Colorado, Wyoming, you get a lot of, a lot of people that are traveling around going state to state and applying in, you know, four or five states a year. And that can get expensive, you know, especially if you're having to front the cost up front. You're looking at, shoot, you might be spending ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a year just to have the opportunity to draw maybe one tag of those. Yeah, and... yeah that can be tough. And that, that's another thing with Alaska that's awesome. You guys get all those tags given to you, you know. That's why when Sean shot that doe in Kodiak, I'm like, why would you waste a tag on a doe? I didn't understand. I finally am like, oh, yeah, he gets free tags. Of course he shot a doe, you know? <laughs> yeah. Six of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're just, like, giving them away up yeah. here. But <laughs> Yeah, I was like, man, $300 doe? Forget it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's crazy. Our tags, especially for non, non-residents, non they've gone up quite a bit because I think, oh, shoot, it's probably been four years or so now, but yeah, everything, they pretty much across the board just doubled every cost of tags. Like when you first came up in 2014, uh, that moose tag was probably about half as much as it is now. I'm not not 100% sure on what the cost is now, but I think they want like 900 or $1,100 for a non-resident moose. Like you said, a deer yeah. tag's 300 bucks. And if you buy, you're allowed up to three of them. So that, you know, adds up quick. You're looking at 900 bucks. And, but, but luckily we do have a, the system where like, if you were to get a moose tag and you were in an area where you could hunt caribou, black bear, or any of the other species, uh, as long as it's kind of a squirrely system, but as long as your tag is more expensive than the other tag, you can shoot that animal and just use it. You know, they'll. <laughs> So you can slap your moose tag on a black bear or caribou or, you know, a wolf, something like that, which is kind of a neat process. So it, uh, you know, keeps you from having to buy four tags if you're in one of those combo units. But Heck, yeah, I've heard of people doing that. Uh, in fact, Aaron Snyder, I, I think he was on a mountain goat hunt and traded his tag to shoot a wolverine. So that was cool. Yeah, they, that's a that's a neat one because, yeah, we have some cool predators like wolf, wolverine. That's one animal I've still never seen in the flesh. I'd love to. I finally got to see a couple lynx now, but, no, those wolverine are cool freaking animals. They're tough and crazy, especially if it was Aaron. He probably shot it with a, you know, a trad bow, so he's probably three feet <laughs> from the stupid thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing with Alaska, man. I, I went to – Kodiak was my third time there, and – I always hear all these bear stories. Well, the two times I went before, I'm like, this state doesn't have bears. Like, I, I never saw a bear ever anywhere. Spent several days out in the bush and no bears. But Kodiak Island has bears. <laughs> a lot of bears. <laughs> Big bears. I was like shitting myself out there. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, it's always a little squirrely. It was funny. We were chatting the other day here at the house, and uh, Sam, Sean's girlfriend, was like, yeah, not a big fan of hunting where there's a lot of bears. Because, you know, Alaska, everywhere in Alaska has bears, but when you're on an island where there's, you know, a little more than one bear per square mile, and they're, you know, nine, ten foot long, and yeah, have four-inch claws, and giant teeth, you know, it just, it's, it's spooky, and it's squirrely, and you got, I mean, you got to experience, there's times where you can't see but five feet, or, you know, 
around in any direction and it can just you know it's no matter how man you are or think you are not go put yourself in a closet and then imagine that there could be a 1500 pound bear within 10 feet of you and then think you're a man like it just you know it's a squirrely situation yeah so on that deer hunt on in kodiak my the way i was doing it is like i was mentally i was like okay i'm gonna act like i'm on a bear hunt and if a deer comes up cool because i was always my head was on a swivel for bears the whole time like i'm hunting bears i'm hunting bears if a deer comes up awesome and then another kind of funny story is that you dropped me and matt off in one spot and and sean and samantha in another and as the day went on, I'm kind of glassing a hillside, and I see these two coming down the hill. And I had just seen a bear, like, right below them. I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to watch Sam and Samantha get chewed up by a bear. And there's nothing I can do about it. I'm like a mile off. <laughs> so I'm watching these guys, and, and they're getting closer and closer to this bear. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to not be good. What do I do? I just I put my phone scope on and just start recording. Like, <laughs> Might as well catch it on film. Exactly. <laughs> Might as well go viral for it. <laughs> Oh, it was freaking, and then Samantha takes the biggest fall ever, and I have it all on camera. It's great. Oh, yeah. We get back down to the boat. We found that <laughs> tore up rain gear in the same trail. I was we going to say, down. I was pretty sure that was the same day y'all found the full set of, you know, $700 Kuyu gear that was just shredded by a <laughs> cub yeah. grizzly. There's teeth marks in it everywhere. <sighs> no, yeah, yeah, that was funny. I thought, Samantha's a tough chick, man. You, you, you got a good one there. That was cool to yeah. see her hike those hills like nothing. Stuff. Yeah, no, she's she's tougher than me, that's for sure. I mean, shoot, she was putting on miles left and right and coming off a double hip surgery and stuff, and she's <laughs> she's just got the blood in her that just you know, she's got no 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 give in her, you know. She's and she's sure as hell not gonna let any guy, you know, outdo her. Yeah. <laughs> Puts me to shame on the regular. Yeah, she was the only girl we had on the boat this season, and I'm pretty sure she put in the most miles of any person we had on the trip. Yeah. Oh, freaking buried me, that's for sure. <laughs> No, man, it's crazy. So uh, on that topic, what's what's something that you would recommend? Just let's let's narrow it down to Kodiak. But if you're gonna plan a trip, kind of like the one you did, what's something you tell anybody for like preparation or gear item to bring? Like, what would you recommend for anybody that's planning a trip up to Alaska to do any hunt? But let's kind of narrow it down specifically and say like uh, one of those Kodiak Kodiak hunts that you did. Um. So funny enough, I've got uh, a group of friends doing that same hunt in October coming up with you guys. And uh, my advice to them, and something I just totally overlooked, but a good pair of gloves will go a long way out there, I think. like I, I was noticing my hands just being really cold. Everything in Kodiak is wet. And it just didn't click to me to, to have really good like uh, otter skin gloves or, or whatever, whatever is popular, you know, but. Uh, I didn't have the right right gloves, and I paid for it for sure. So that's number one for me is, is well, rain gear for sure. I have great quality rain gear. I did, but the gloves, man, definitely, definitely bring good gloves is my advice for Kodiak for sure. 
Yeah, that's that's one of those that can get overlooked really easily too. Because you know you want to, like you mentioned, you know, good rain gear that you know that could easily set you back several hundred bucks. You know, stuff like that. You know, your big ticket items, and Kodiak's kind of tricky because it's does it gets it gets plenty cold. Like this year, we had tons of snow and stuff. Y'all got you know y'all were a pretty early season hunt. Y'all had an October hunt, which is fairly early for Kodiak deer, and I mean y'all got snow it was fairly cold plenty of rain like you said it's just it's a wet place and it's hard to kind of you want something warm but you're hiking a lot it's easy to sweat them out but then there's also you know you've got the devil's club rose hips every out everything out there wants to stab you or poke you or pull you down so you know you kind of need like Almost like me- those mechanic gloves that you can get at, you know, a good service station yeah. or something. Something that's or like a good insulated full leather grain glove. Something that you can grab onto a fistful of needles and not feel it for the rest of the trip. But also something that's going to keep you warm. Because I mean, if you're like me, if your fingers or toes get cold, it just gets miserable, and it's just like, oh, I've got little freaking, you know, I, I won't say it, but pea mittens. You know, you can put the other four letters or five letters i don't know how to spell but (laughs) (laughs) together yourself but yeah no good good quality gloves is something that's that's a great that's a great tip because that's something that's easily overlooked yeah the other thing is if you baby your gun which i don't know is it practical or not i'm not sure but i know i scratch the piss out of my gun out there stomping through those dang alders it's thick it's thick when i say when I say it's thick, it is very, very thick. You can't even explain how thick those things are. But yeah, my gun took a beating, which that's what's for for me. I don't really care, but some guys uh, might want to protect that a little better than I did. Yeah, no, that's a tough one because you know if you're, especially if you're a rifle hunter. I mean, you brought a nice. If I'm not mistaken, you brought a Browning Hell's Canyon with a nice uh, loophole, either VX5 or VX6 on it. Which I mean, mm-hmm. the it adds up. You know, it's a good, it's a good shooting rifle. But it's anytime you've got something that's you know a down payment on a car, and all of a sudden it goes sliding down a rock slide, or you know, if you're on Kodiak, like you said, it's thick. You're gonna end up using it as a makeshift machete to get through those alders every once in a while and and no that's that's tough and we'll have guys that'll bring nice gunworks rifles or you know custom made hand designed rifles where you're looking at ten twelve thousand dollars and they're like man i'm so worried about my rifle i'm like yeah well that's gonna get the shit knocked out of it i'm sorry you know there's no (laughs) there's no getting around that unfortunately because like you said there's there's no describing how truly thick and nasty it can be you know i try and explain it to i just had a couple clients message me on instagram earlier this week and you know, I was giving them some gear advice and it's just, you know, you can never, I always feel bad because you want to be like, it's going to be the hardest, probably the hardest deer hunt you've ever done. T- different type of hard because you can do a, you know, a 15 mile packet on a high country mule deer hunt where, you know, you're trying to squeeze oxygen out of freaking nothing up at 14,000 foot. But it's like you're not – I try. it's impossible to explain because it's like you might only hike three and a half, four miles in a day. But imagine putting resistance bands around your ankles going behind you, below you, and then also on your knees. But do it wet with shit hitting you in the face. Like there's just like – you know, Yeah, man, that's a great way to explain it actually. It is – it's not like – I try. I was trying to tell my friends that are going up there in October. I'm like, it's not the most, probably the most physically demanding hunt I've ever done, 
but it is so frustrating. Like you say, it's just like, I think the only way to train for it, at least where I live is probably like do sprints in the sand washes and stuff like that is, is what I would say. There's just a bunch of little muscles you don't use otherwise, you know? Yeah, and especially because, like, you'll you'll do a good, you know, 1,500-foot climb in a day, which isn't, which isn't horrible. You know, most people do that on any Western hunt, but it's probably going to be like doing it on a slip and slide, you know, slip and slide. <laughs> and you're only, you might only be covering a mile and gaining 1,500 foot, but it's been raining freaking the last three days, and then you're just slipping around. You've got all there's to go through. It's just... It can be a truly miserable hunt, but like it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, and it's a truly unique place. And it's just, you know, I always feel bad because I never have anything good to say about it, and it's kind of counterproductive because that's how you know my family makes their living. But it's like you know, it's Kodiak. They call it the Emerald Isle or the Rock. You know, it's got two different names, and they're both appropriate because you know it's gorgeous and it's real shitty at the same time. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, man, I, I'm, I'm definitely going back. I have got to get revenge on that hunt. Now I am so hungry to shoot a black tail, especially when Tanner got his. I'm like, oh, God, I need that. Yeah. Uh, he shot a cool buck. That was a cool story, I guess. He, he hunted really hard in the in the rain and everything else, but finally got it done on, I, I guess, probably our last day, wasn't it? I think I think it turned out to be our last day because we had to end up cutting that day, you know, or that trip a day short. We, you know, went to do some fishing and that freaking blew up in our face too. You know, that trip I was telling Sean, I was like, man, that the whole deck was stacked against us. You know, nothing was nothing was working. Even you know, because we're you know more actual fishing guides up here and then we went to do some fishing and it, the fish wouldn't even cooperate. Man, we had the everything and I, I like. You uh, we didn't talk about it either, but the the furnace had gone out on that trip. It was just kind of the you know trip, you know the nightmare trip, and you know y'all were troopers about it. You were super understanding, and you know kind of like you said, you finally got the true Alaskan experience where you know everything that could go wrong kind of did, and you still made a great trip out of it. Found the silver lining, and I think that's kind of why you know we, me and you and Sean, kind of hit it off because you're you know you're the type of guy that can find the silver lining and anything and you know just be able to appreciate you know the interesting things about life and the you know beauty that it is and even when shit's you know hitting the fan you're like yeah it could be worse <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, you just got to find the positives and everything or else you're just going to be miserable but i had a great time i'm definitely going to do it again uh whenever i'm really hoping one of my buddies the the group of six i'm really hoping somebody falls out so i can jump in there but yeah. probably not yeah no and especially it's nice because you know building connections that's my favorite thing about being in this industry you build connections with people from all over and you know most of it ends up being kind of i don't want to say half-hearted but you're always sincere in your offers but most of the time you know if you offer to somebody hey if you ever want to come back you know here's my personal number let me know this and that and you kind of know it's never going to amount to anything but i think you know the friendship that we were able to spark with the three of us on uh your trip will at least you know uh turn into something where we'll see each other a few times here in the future we're lucky enough to be in the same age range you've already got kind of ties up here and you know we're pretty freaking awesome so you have no other excuse to <laughs> bail on us so. you saved our lives in oh yeah <laughs> 
Oh yeah, we haven't even touched that, you know. Over again, got back to town, and you know, Jet he doesn't know us from freaking Adam and Eve, and he's over here about saving Sean from going to jail over you know doing some classic Kodiak hood rat shit and trying to trying to start bar fights and this and that and being the oh, angel God. and amazing person Jet is save the day. And- <laughs> Oh shoot, that was terrible, man! I'll never forget that trip. Yeah, one one long story short, one too many drinks. It happens. <laughs> it happens to everyone. Oh, Starts with a couple drinks, ends with puking in the harbor for the next three <laughs> yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. So for those for those of you listening who don't know me, I I don't drink at all. I I never have, but uh, I'm definitely down to go hang out and have fun. But. These knuckleheads got completely out of hand, <laughs> and I, I kind of turned it into a, a, a babysitter, big brother, whatever you want to call it. But I, I didn't mind doing it; it was cool. But yeah, no, it was it was a good time. It was fun. It wasn't me. It was the big buck hunter video game inside the uh, what's that bar? Uh, Tony or not Tony's? Uh... It's next to Henry's. The village. It's the village. It's called the village. They've got the big buck hunter game. And we put bucks on the ground. Absolutely. I so. just put more bucks on the ground than Sean did, I think. Yeah, one or two. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, and just for those of you listening, prospective clients, I was being responsible, and I was only merely driving our intoxicated clients to and from the bar. That's right. I was on the clock. That's right. <laughs> I was on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God, or Michael probably would have fought somebody in the bar. You know? <laughs> it's not wrong. I, you know, I plead the fifth, but <laughs> I have been known to stand up for a friend or a woman in my day. So, <laughs> dude, when I get rowdy, it's serious business. <laughs> oh, dude, I won't even repeat what the lady said, but there was one point where Samantha was a little too drunk, but was kind of about to step off of a pretty big drop off, like four foot, and I, I literally just grabbed her by the arms and I'm like. Okay, Samantha, let's go this way. Like, we, mm-hmm. we got to go down this ramp. You cannot walk off that. And this lady is just accusing me of all kinds of stuff. I'm like, and yeah, I, I, I definitely had a big blow up. Tanner, Tanner Anderson goes, I won't forget that as long as I live. I told that lady <laughs> off. To Man, yeah, that was interesting because, you know, I got a, I got a call from, I think, Sean. I was down on the boat and I was like, all right, I'll fire up the box truck, headed, headed off to come get y'all, pulled into the parking lot, and I see everybody kind of, spilling out of the bar and i see you know it's just one of those when you you can tell when shit's not quite you know straight down the pipe right off the bat and i was like something's going on and uh get up there and start hearing you know some raised voices here and there and you know i'm pretty sure jet's just like let's get out of here and, and for those of you who don't know we we use a box truck to transport a couple of our clients and their gear to and from our operation, and usually a couple people take a taxi to and from. But you know, when things get going and we need, you know, need to make things happen, we'll just pile up in the back back of the box truck. No harm, no foul. You know, I'm a safe driver, and you know, we kind of pull up to the bar. Everybody's spilling out, kind of craps hitting the fan, and I'm just like, "All right, y'all get in the freaking back. We're crossing the border. And we're getting out of here." You know, we got we just oh man, it was it was a hoot and. 
you know, that's kind of what we say we sell. You know, we're not just selling hunting trips. We're selling adventures. That's and right. You never know what they're going to be. Usually they're, you know, outdoor <laughs> adventures. But when, you know, push comes to so- shove, sometimes, you know, it can turn into bar bar cruising, any type. You know, it's it's you're paying for it. You get to create the adventure. We just have to deal with your adventures. <laughs> uh, to all the people at the village bar. <laughs> On the dart team, I'm sorry for throwing the chair. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, oh. Yeah, to the, to the lady that owns it or works it there, I'm sorry for the things I said to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a, that's a funny thing about Kodiak. It's a, you know, it's kind of a rough and rowdy community there. It always has been. It's a, been a, one of the biggest commercial fishing hubs in the United States for, shoot, decades and Man, it's it sees all kinds of people, and it's always funny. I'll be listening to any of my hunting podcasts, and they'll mention, you know, they'll be talking about a trip like this up to Kodiak, and they're always throwing out, you know, a couple key names like Henry's, Tony's, or the Village, and it's always, you know, very unique, unique stories. They're always about the same, and it's something, it's something about that island. It just brings the rowdy out of you. You know, you could be a straight edge man, but it'll turn you into a freaking jailbird. And a night I'll tell all you the long haired freaky people man <laughs> I'm telling you <ya. laughs> uh, good times in Kodiak for sure. <laughs> oh yeah no, so uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, we, we kind of hit that gear question about Kodiak, but since you've been up for a couple, you know, couple trips up here, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about just kind of opportunities up in Alaska and wanted a non-resident input on that and kind of from the hunting aspect. For somebody who's planning either a first trip up to Alaska or just, you know, a trip in general, what would you recommend Go like what animal would you recommend targeting, and what type of trip, whether it be a DIY fly out trip or float trip or something that you kind of did like with us, where it's kind of semi or semi outfitted but DIY or going guided? What would your advice for a first time like Alaskan visitor or just anybody planning a trip up to Alaska? Um, so I've never been guided, so it's always been a DIY, I think, DIY trip for me. That's just what I personally prefer, but that's definitely an option to do. I think a trip with you guys to kind of get your feet wet in Alaska would, when, when things are good, I think would be incredible. You know, the opportunity for the deer when weather permits is probably, I mean, I've heard all the stories and I've seen all your Instagram pictures. It's, uh, there's a ton of activity out there. And I think with a hunt like that, uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck. So you get to hunt deer. You can potentially hunt ducks if you feel like it, if you're into that, you know, a ton of fishing, stuff like that. So probably for a first time person going to Alaska, I'd, I'd probably, although my trip wasn't great, you know, I'd recommend that. But uh, another kind of easy intro for me was the caribou hunt. I thought that was a, was not a difficult hunt at all in fact probably the easiest hunt i've ever done to be honest and if i ever did do it again which i really don't have any interest in doing it it did for sure be with a bow like caribou it's but at least in that area you know you got dropped off in front of the migrating herd and it's like you just wait until they they pass you and you pick the the biggest one or whichever one you want shoot it it was like fish in a barrel kind of to me is what i thought 
Yeah, that's kind of one of those hidden gems. Thank, first of all, thank you for, you know, supporting the business and giving us that uh, that plug. But uh, uh, that's always been, to me, kind of the hidden gem of Alaska, especially for DIY guys. Caribou, at least for me, like growing up, I've always... Caribou's one of those kind of redheaded stepchild of Alaska, them and Black Bear. Uh, but they don't get the love they deserve, but I've always thought they've been just gorgeous, giant, you know, animals. They've got the most horn mass or antler mass for any of the deer species, just big, gorgeous animals. And they're not necessarily a crazy difficult hunt to do. Uh, why don't you go ahead and elaborate a little bit about that hunt you did, yeah. like what you did and how it went? It, I mean, it was obviously successful. You've got awesome pictures of a gorgeous bull up on your Instagram. So go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was in 2017, I believe uh, a couple of years after my moose hunt, but same story. I, I went with my, my wife's uncle, Matt, and uh, we booked, it, it was called 40 mile air again in Toke, Alaska. And they flew us out and dropped us where we were going to end up hunting at. And the, for those of you who don't know much about caribou, they migrate in like massive, massive packs of animals. And I, I think we probably saw over 500 caribou. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but they put us in front of the herd, kind of knew kind of where they were going, put us in front of the herd. And we woke up the next day and, and shot a couple, but uh, caribou was really cool. Like, like Michael elaborated, I got a really, really nice bull. So did Matt. We were hunting in August. So they were all in velvet. Well, most of them, there was some hard horned out there, but so I got a beautiful velvet pool. Definitely. If you're going to go do something like that, I, I would recommend doing it once. Like I said, I probably wouldn't do it again. It was, it was so easy for me, but just, uh, I don't know. It all depends on what you like. I kind of, I'm a adventure challenge type of guy, but you like to suffer. A that bit. <laughs> I do. I'm kind of an idiot. I get it. But yeah, no, that uh, wasn't very hard. wasn't very uh, physically demanding hunt, but the opportunity was there, and you got to see a lot of cool stuff. Those watching those caribou migrate is something in itself. You know, that's worth the trip alone. It was pretty cool to see. And when you're flying out in the plane, you see thousands of those things. And you know, those float planes are they fly pretty low. And I actually spotted several moose sheds. I'm like, gosh, can you just stop on to grab those? But no, it was cool. The caribou is a fun hunt, and that's kind of how my hunt went. And I think I shot my bull there at like 60 yards, so I was definitely in bow range. That'd be an amazing bow hunt to do. Going up north. Someday I'll invite <laughs> you to come up north and shoot a couple off the road with some bows with us. Yeah, there's a really Heck cool yeah, hunt man. opportunity, uh, the Hall Road hunt. You get up uh, north of Attican Pass, and it's uh, the Dalton Highway, and there's a five-mile corridor on either side of the highway up there that's a bow-only, you know, archery-only hunt, and huge, you know, bear and ground caribou migration that runs through there. And it's kind of an – it's it's an interesting hunt because it's a road – it's your road hunting – you know, you're pretty much driving up and down this 220-mile-ish stretch of road, and, you know, you're finding herds, you're trying to put on stocks, you're putting on tons of stocks, but it's real wide open, kind of, it's, you know, you're going to be able to put on plenty of stocks, it's just tough to get inside of that, you know, break that 100-yard barrier, get into that, you know, 70 and in range, but it's a super simple DIY, pretty cost-effective, you know, especially in a situation like if you were ever to come up and do something like that with us, oops, sorry about that. Uh, you know, 
all you need is your bow and your gear. You buy a tag, hunting license, and then you just need a pickup pretty much, and you're just pretty much car camping for a week, chasing oh, chasing cool. booze around. But, yeah, it's a, you know, archery-only type of situation, but super neat. And, you know, caribou's a really cool opportunity for anybody listening because it's something that's you know, seems unattainable and way out there. But, you know, if you have a reputable transporter, taking you or you want to do it you know 100% DIY and do something like the haul road hunt like there's tons of opportunity to do it they're a big migration animal the downside to that is like when animals aren't there like it sounds like on your caribou hunt you know they dropped you in front of the migration and it was you know it was hot and heavy they were right there yeah. oh yeah and sometimes they'll do that and then that you know the migration either kind of changes direction a little bit or you know your transporter doesn't really put you in a super primo spot and if animals aren't there they're just not there you know you're kind of just waiting for them to show up so it can be a kind of a slow and tedious trip if it's bad but if it's good i mean it like you said it's almost like grocery shopping you're just kind of like ah that one's not big enough that one's not big enough ah he's got big tops but he doesn't have big shovels so i'll pass on him you know when it's good it's really freaking good and you know it's when there's that many animals you can almost just like wander yourself into the middle of but it's the only thing you can really compare it to is like the uh, migrations over in Africa with the wildebeest and stuff, just the giant migrations mm-hmm. across the uh, plains over there. And it just, you know, it's a neat animal. Uh, did you end up uh, flying any of that meat back from that hunt? How was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I flew all of it home. I used, uh, you guys, you said it before on the boat. It was Indian Valley, right? Is that what it's called? Yep, Indian Valley. I believe they're is that the one south of Anchorage, Sean? Do you uh Indian Valley. I think they're between Anchorage and Girdwood, I believe. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Yeah. So those guys processed it for me and sent it to me cuz I didn't have time to do it myself. Obviously, I had to go home, but uh yeah, it came out pretty good. I I, I like caribou meat in sausage and hot dogs. It's really good, you know, but as far as like a caribou steak, I could I could live without it, you know, but yeah, they're kind uh, but you of, they're brought really up a good mean. point on the on the migration. So, the so we got lucky, right? We got ahead of the migration, and we we both killed the first day. But uh, so the, I didn't want to go home, right? I was like, oh, let's stay out here and we'll camp a couple of days. So after the day we shot those caribou, we saw three caribou in three days. Like that's how dead it got. So you're right. Um, when they're not there, they are just not there. Period. So it was like. Man, I thank God I shot the first day because I don't know if I really, I don't know if I'd have got one, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's the tricky thing about caribou because it and it's it can give you kind of that false sense of security, especially like you know if you wouldn't have shot that first day and you're like ah it's you know day one we still got several days yeah. left let's like like let's hold out and then all of a sudden like you say you see three caribou and you're not saying you know you didn't see three bull caribou you saw three caribou you know it could be right, you yeah. know a cow with a couple calves or just three cows a couple small bulls so you know it's it's tricky to play and they travel so fast to where it's you can't really predict if they're gonna be there the next day it's just you kind of have to take the you know the bird in hand and you know one bird in the hands better than two in the bush type of situation but they are truly you know like you said it can be it can be a cakewalk when it's a cake 
cakewalk and it's a great opportunity for non-residents you don't have to be guided i believe the tags are like 400 450 bucks which is you know pretty reasonable especially nowadays everything costs a hundred dollar bill so you know to be able to come up pay your airfare pay a you know air taxi which they you know they they're gonna charge what they charge but it's not horrible and you can get a true like badass alaska full diy experience and be successful for you know fairly reasonable cost and not having to be even if you're not you know you haven't been backpack hunting for 10 years or something like you came up and shot your first big game animal as a moose like it's very attainable when you know it kind of can seem like it's kind of an end game situation but a lot of people are especially nowadays thankfully to you know stuff like podcasts youtube social media it's kind of getting that exposure to realize you can do those things without being a 30 year veteran of hunting or you know being a backpacker being a mountaineer you don't have to necessarily have those skill sets to do these trips you just kind of have to have the ambition and the will to just be like yeah screw it you know let's throw some money down and go do some crazy shit that's it man like for all you young guys listening take it from me i've been there and i've done it when an opportunity presents itself if you can do it just do it take it don't think about it just go like that's how I've got to do several cool things. Like I've done, it's like, you know, it's there. Somebody offers it, just go, just go do it. If you have the means to do it, and and you can, and you can afford it, freaking jump on it. And you don't get those times back ever. So I'm I'm a fan of doing things while while I'm young and I can, you know. Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. And I mean, you've got a wife and couple kids, and you know, time gets gets tough. But like it's you know tough to come by. But, you know, that's the best thing about being young, especially if you're single, you know, even if you're, you know, dating somebody, even if it's a committed relationship, just be like, you know, if something comes up and it's a might be a week notice, but you've got the PTO or you have a flexible work schedule and you do have those funds set aside, like take advantage of it because you never, you know, you can never take anything for granted. You could always, you know, unfortunately come down with a illness or, you know, get injured, anything like that, but take advantage of it and be willing to, you know, be uncomfortable. A lot of people pass up opportunities because they don't think they can do it or they don't think they're prepared or, you know, they're worried that, you know, their mom and dad will be concerned about this and that, you know, and like those are all valid concerns, but, you know, life's too short and you'd be surprised what you can do, especially when you're put in a situation that you're uncomfortable with. And Alaska is kind of nice in the fact that, you know, if a pilot goes and drops you off, you can't just like call an Uber and be like, Hey, I want out of here. And even Mm -hmm. if you call your pilot, they'll be like, Hey dude, I'm busy for the next four days. Like you planned on a 10 day hunt. It's day two. Like I, you know, I'll get to you when I can get to you, but buckle down and you'll you'll learn some stuff about yourself and it just you'd be so surprised on what you can truly accomplish when you you know step outside of your comfort zone and just buckle down do what you you know deep down you know you can do even though if you know mentally you think you're unprepared or this and that like you'll you'll be fine and you'll never like you said you'll never forget those memories and you'll never regret it yeah so my moose hunt in particular i remember this and I'll never forget it as, as long as I live. Again, that was <clears throat> pretty early in my hunting career, if you want to call it that. But uh, I got dropped off first. So the plane the plane takes takes you and your gear and then goes and gets your partner and his gear, right? So I was first up. 
they go and they drop me off at this at this lake in the middle of nowhere and and then they leave to go get my hunting partner matt and i'm there in the bush all alone by myself like in alaska i'm like oh shoot it was just totally overwhelming but again one of the coolest things ever man like i i just went kind of hiking around and exploring for an hour and a half before before matt got there and, and we set up camp and stuff like that but uh, totally overwhelming, but it, like you say, when your back's against the wall, you're gonna figure it out. That's all there is to it. You just are, or you aren't. Like, you gonna make it or, or are you not? You know? Yeah. Well, that's out there is truly the definition of being alone. Once that plane leaves, absolutely. you are by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. There's nobody to talk to. Like you're, you're there, man. You, you better enjoy your own company, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you'll find something to do whether you like it or not. Shout out Matt, too. Super cool guy. Oh, man, that dude is tough as nails. Yeah. And so he went on your caribou and your moose hunt. Have you take, Have you gone on any other hunts with Matt? Uh, Just the three. So every time I've been to Alaska, he's been involved with it for sure. But uh, I'd love to hunt with him here in New Mexico or something if he could ever break free. But unfortunately, no. We We've only hunted together three times, but... All three times have been incredible. It's been great memories, and again, things like that you just never forget, man. It's been it's been fun doing that with Matt. It's been a great time. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's a cool opportunity because it's one of those like like you said, it's kind of you know, it's not an oddball connection, but it's your wife's uncle, not you know any direct kin kinhood to you and even you know a lot of families once you get outside of mom dad grandma grandpa you know a lot of that direct family can get you know not necessarily involved and having that connection to alaska and kind of that just somebody to be like hey i need somebody to come carry my shit for me you want to come you know and just give you those opportunities especially because how old were you when you made your first trip up here back in 2014 oh gosh i must have been like 22 probably 21, 22. Yeah, exactly. So it's just having that opportunity at a young age to just get, you know, kind of open that door and, you know, you've been more than successful as a hunter back home now and just knowing that you can, you know, once you come up here and get to, you know, get a little success under your belt, pretty much, you know, the world's your oyster at that point. You've kind of conquered, you know, one of the harder places to hunt in the United States, at least. And, you know, not taking anything away from any of the Western states, every place is freaking tough and hard and has its own caveats. But I think there's kind of that mental block. Once you conquer Alaska, you can kind of freaking, you know, you get that confidence to go take on whatever, whenever. Yeah, and I think that really helped me out with, with hunting here and where I live and stuff. Uh, it's like, dude, I've been to Alaska. I've, I've killed stuff in Alaska. I've spent 14 days in the bush in Alaska like this. I can do this, you know. Uh, there's freaking grizzly bears out there. We don't have that here. you got to worry about other things like rattlesnakes and mountain lions and things like that here where I live. But it's I'd, a different beach up there. I would totally take bears over snakes. <laughs> Yeah, I actually do agree with you. That that is very those snakes are rough, man. We have a lot of them too. No, and that's it's it's so funny. Every season, and it's no no offense to anybody from Arizona, but it's generally our Arizona elk hunters. But uh, they'll get up and they're just at by the end of the trip, they're like, "Man, this opened so much elk country that I would have never even thought of touching back home." (laughs) And they're just you know, it gives them that kind of. This is how shitty it can be 
So quit passing on opportunities back home because you just paid good money to be miserable for the next seven days. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, it just gives you that, you know, that, oh, man, I can conquer that. I can do this. That's, you know, there's nothing like an alder thicket, you know. I can, that, uh, what's the, oh, what's the prickly short, not cactus y'all have, but kind of like a bush, ton of thorns. I always forget the name of it. You're talking about where where I'm at? Yeah. Yeah, like the the cat claw stuff. I yeah, don't know cat claws. There we go. I was blanking on the name. But yeah, no, it's it's super cool, but is there anything yeah, else you want to every, every every place has its uh you know challenges, but just Alaska is is gigantic, man. I uh I live so close to Colorado and so I tell guys where where we're at. It's like Alaska is just like Colorado, but basically on steroids. It's just huge, but it it reminds me so much of Colorado. It, it actually reminds me of where I live, really, but just much, much larger. Yeah. Cool place for sure, yeah. man. No, that's that's what, especially our guys from Montana. I always, it's kind of a phenomenon up here. If uh, high schoolers don't know what they're gonna do with their life, they always just kind of end up in Bozeman, Montana, because it's like a, <laughs> you know, Alaska light. I like to call it because you know, very similar, but you know, just more roads. Um, shoot, I forgot where I was gonna go with that. But uh, I wanted to say, I know we've got a time difference, and I don't want to eat up too much of your, you know, precious time. You got a family and kids to attend to. Is there anything else you want to cover, brother? Man, I think we kind of touched on everything, and unless you guys have any questions for me, but it's been fun. I'm glad you guys had me on. Yeah, of course. No, we'll have to definitely do it again, especially, you know, you keep drawing tags left and right. And, you know, hopefully here in a couple yeah. years we'll be doing a, a black bear recap with you coming up here and doing a hunt because, you know, you always got a place to stay with us, and we'll plan a, we'll plan a trip for sure. Uh, is there any uh, social media you want to plug uh, or any, any causes you want to – want to support and get out there tell the world about sure uh if you feel like looking at dead animals and cute babies give me a follow on my instagram jet underscore 11 that's j-h-e-t-t underscore number 11 so that's all i got man i appreciate appreciate you guys having me on and we'll, we'll definitely get in the woods together again and go shoot some bears i'm definitely in we'll do it heck yeah man no it's been a it's been a beautiful thing you know you came up here and did a trip with us and it just kind of sparked a cool uh you know friendship you know like-minded people find like-minded people and i'm glad we were able to get you on and you know it's always been always good chatting with you whether it's over social media or finally getting to catch up again but man tell the tell the wife and kids uh we say hi and uh try and uh, get over that covid stay safe and you know just keep doing you keep being keep being badass man <laughs> you guys too man i appreciate it guys and we will talk soon heck yeah i know stay safe man have a good one all right later boys see ya later Oh, well, that was a conversation with uh, Jet Gomez. Sorry about my uh, poor introduction of him. I was I had this whole awesome plan. I was like, man, awesome family man, former MMA professional fighter, college athlete, and back black backcountry hunting extraordinaire. And I was like, ah, let's just fucking call him. Yeah, <laughs> check out his Insta though. He is he got the coolest Instagram. Oh, I envy. Yeah, He's the coolest great. dad. Exactly. No, young young guys got his head on straight. You know, freaking super envious. Never never had a lick of alcohol in his life. As I've 
killed several Bud Light oranges throughout this conversation. <laughs> but no, super awesome dude, super dad. Like he was talking, he shot a freaking stud antelope. <clears throat> excuse me, with a bow with his kids in the blind with them. Like, and when he says like his youngest, I think is two and a half years old. Like anybody that spends any time around kids. That's a nightmare, and speed goats are finicky as all get out, so that is more than impressive. Dude shoots giant deer. Definitely give him a follow. Awesome man. But uh, I wanted to get him on, though, because, you know, I got the hunting itch. We got we got Adak Caribou coming up, and I'm freaking stoked. Jordan already told me she's not coming on next week to talk about it, though. But <laughs> we're going to dive into that a little more next week, but... We got out, what was it, two weeks? It's been two weeks now since we went out and shot the guns. Yeah. Yeah. It has, oh, man, time flies. Right? I know. But, yeah, went out and I built uh, built a rifle for this hunt. Just kind of my, it's going to be my all-around Alaska everything rifle, but built up a Tika T3X uh, Super Light and, you know, gave it a sweet paint job, threw a, a Vortex a LHT on it, 3 to 15 by 44 with some tally rings, tightened it down. We went out and finally, you know, bought that about Christmas time, built that Christmas, and then hadn't shot it. It's been freaking nasty out here, plus ammo you can barely find. So luckily our local shop had some, went and picked up. I think I got like four boxes or so and went out and shot it. That thing's freaking tack driver, dude. Yeah, it is an absolute machine. That is a beautiful tool. It made is stacks them up. No, and I was, I've always, you know, everybody raves about the Tikas, and they're like, man, they're just for for the price, you just can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. And I was like, you know, I've shot some nice guns, and I was like, I'm sure it's fine, but it's you know, quit, quit, quit hyping it up like that. Like you're gonna ruin it for people. I was like, I think the first three shots, it was like an inch and a half spread, but those first three rounds through the barrel and then i think i threw nine rounds this is out of a lead sled so this isn't me shooting it you know uh, offhand or anything but lead sled at 100 yards nine shots inside of three quarters of an inch those are the first 10 rounds or first 12 rounds i'd shot through the gut like that thing was just and i was i was just you know blown away i was like what the thing is a tack driver and i'm excited to stretch it out and no, it's a light rifle. I think I haven't weighed it yet, but it's a Tika T3X super light with a Vortex LHT tally one piece uh, uh, lightweight rings, lightweight alloy alloy rings on it, and it's pro- it can't be more than seven and a half pounds, and it's yeah. a three hundred wind mag, so it's got a little bark to it. Don't have a don't have a brake on it or a suppressor, but I mean super manageable. Just don't be a don't be a don't be a silly. Yeah. <laughs> just grip down, shoot a gun. It'll be fine. Your shoulder will get over it. But that thing is a freaking tack driver. I want to stretch it out to four or 500 yards, see what we we'll can hit it. with it for sure. We'll do it soon. The old timer at the range, he pulled that out, and he knew exactly what it was. Yeah. He was like, you bought one of those? Yeah. How do you like it? And you're like, oh, it's the first one we shot. And it's like, you'll like it. Yeah. No, he was excited. No, and it's a good gun. Super affordable. If anybody out there listening, like whether you're a gun nut or looking to get a first gun, even like a Tika T3X series. Uh, I think, shoot, I think they're super light at sportsman's. There's, they have a, their most common ones, a T3X light, uh, sportsman's warehouse has an exclusive with them. They're super light. It's like two or three ounces lighter, but just, 
fluted barrel. Some people like the look of it a little more, but I think it was like 780 bucks. And for an out of the box stainless steel rifle that shoots sub one MOA easy. And for a lot of cartridges, especially if you get an inherently accurate round, like a 308 or 65 Creedmoor, uh, you're probably looking at like sub three quarter inch, you know, out of a vice or out of a sled, you know, Everybody's shooting ability varies, but it's got a super crisp trigger. The stock's kind of, it's, you know, it leaves some to be desired. It's just a injected plastic molded stock. Not, you know, it, it does its job. It lets you do an awesome rattle can paint job if you're ever into that. But I eventually plan on changing the stock and some other parts of it. And that's the other beautiful thing about those Tikas. They're kind of like the, the Honda Civic of the hunting world. They There's so many companies out there that make parts for them. I mean, you can get a proof research pre-threaded barrel for them. Tika, they're, for people who don't know, Tika's the, owned by the same company. or they're, they're a Seiko rifle, but it's kind of their consumer line of rifles, a little cheaper, a little more affordable but still just like damn good quality lights out. And I mean, you can, their, their tolerances from their action to their barrel. So tight, the companies like Bartline proof research, make pre-threaded barrels to where you can get those and just pretty, you could do it yourself. I don't recommend it. Have a, you know, professional gunsmith do it. It's just better to do that, but they'll thread it on there for you. So you can pretty much build a completely custom rifle with just a Tika action, which for factory rifles, probably the smoothest action on a factory gun out there. Like I grew up on a pre 64 model 70 Winchester for you gun nuts out there. You know, that's kind of like the creme de la creme. That shit is smooth. And I mean, those Tika actions are sweet. They're freaking, they're not control feed, which, eh, you know, most aren't anymore. I'm just splitting hairs. I'm a Model 70 fan. But those actions are freaking buttery smooth. And you can build a fully custom rifle off that action all yourself. After shooting yours, I'll own one. Yeah. I'll probably I, own one in 300, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I'd like to, I mean, my next rifle, because I've got that, I've got a 338 Win Mag, 300 Win Mag. You know, both Alaska dominant rounds, they can handle just about anything. If you're going to build a one gun to do it all up here, both of those are great calibers to do it in. I really want to get one of those 6.8 Westerns, though. That's probably going to be my next rifle. But Winchester and Browning are the only manufacturers to make it, which, I mean, that's all right with me. I'd be fine with an X-Bolt or a new Model 70. They're not a pre-64. But, you know, I'll take I'll take a modern Winchester Extreme Model 70. It's all right. But that 6.8 Western, that's a, I think that's going to be a, you know, a top-tier Alaska cartridge. It's not quite a, you know, a freaking grizzly bear killer, but I'd be confident shooting a moose with one of those. Uh, it's up in the air for me, either 6.8 or the 28 Osler. 28 Osler is a hard round to beat. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what Jet brought up to Kodiak. That's those twenty eight nozzles are sweet. The only thing I don't like about them is one. I mean, it, if you don't shoot a ton, like if you're not at the range every weekend, it's not going to be a factor. But they burn out barrels pretty quick. You're uh-huh. looking at like eight hundred ish rounds on a barrel, which for most people they're never going to touch that. But they, you know, you need a long barrel for them. There's there's some downsides to it, but that is a 
dynamite cartridge. The great, like, if you're, if you, sh- if you hunt like Utah, Wyoming, Mont- any of the open Western states, that, that cartridge is just about taken over down south mm-hmm. because you can, you know, canyon to canyon, 700, 800 yard, you know, shots. I'm not necessarily a huge long range, you know, hunting advocate, but if you can shoot it, shoot it. I'm not, I'm never going to tell anybody what they can do. If you can, if you're, if you can handle it, hell yeah. Take advantage of it, and that's the cartridge you can do it because you're like holding like six inches at 600 yards. It's more than that, but like those things are laser beams. Yeah, well, I love that six five, and I love the six five round, but it does not have the stopping power at the range the twenty eight does. No, those six fives are sweet, like that because you've got a Barrett Fieldcraft, mm-hmm. which is that thing is oh, if if anybody. Downside, like if you're a light frame person that wants like a true one gun to do it all for like mountain hunting for deer, six five Creedmoor and that Barrett Fieldcraft, yeah, dynamite. That Barrett Fieldcraft is like two point three pounds, not yeah. really, but that thing is feather light, accurate six five. I mean, everybody knows the freaking man bun rifle. Like it is it's the exactly thing. That. The thing's a great shooting gun. It leaves a little bit, little bit to be desired when it comes to knockdown power and authority. You know, like I don't support shooting elk with it. That's just my own opinion. I'm never going to tell it once again. I'm never going to tell anybody what to do with it. But like, it's a great, probably arguably the best deer rifle ever invented, and best one of the best target rifles ever invented. Yeah. Well, they compare it to like 270 for shooting deer, like down south. Like, whoa, 270. Everybody's Everybody owns a 270 down south. Everybody shot whitetails with 270s. That's just like one of the most common rifles out there. I shot my first deer, 270, you know. But it's got a little more. I think it, I personally think it's got more of an edge on the 270. But the 6.5 or? Yeah. The, yeah. It's a, you know, 6.5 got a small, little smaller bullet, but it's. It can fit those long boat tail yep. modern bullets. Everything that's that's why I like that six eight western because it's effectively you take you know two seventy Winchester kind of got improved to two seventy uh, WSM the Winchester short magnum mm-hmm. and then that which was a great cartridge but it was pre I think they came out with that in like twenty ten and that was before these modern heavy for caliber long boat tail long range bullets came out. And that's when you know Browning and Winchester came together, and we're like, the six eight got to try this, and it's basically it's just a WSM, a two seventy WSM, that's designed to be you know still in a short action, but to fit those long boat tail modern heavy for caliber long range projectiles, and I think that especially if you're somebody who's looking to get into Western hunting, you want to hunt elk, mule deer, whitetail, pronghorn, any of the kind of lower 48 species outside of grizzly bear and moose. And even both of those, especially lower 48 bears and the those Cyrus moose and even those Canadian moose, that's 6'8 Western. That's kind of, they designed it to be that long range Western hunting cartridge, hence kind of the name 6'8 Western. And it hasn't been proven. It's only been out for like 18 months now. 
But there's been a lot of like credible people that at least I consider credible. One of my favorite podcasters, uh, Joseph Von Benedict with the Backcountry Hunting Podcast. If you're big into ballistics, shooting, or backcountry hunting, great follow. Go follow him. He's been doing his podcast for a couple years now. I love his content. It's great episode, super informative, and he's a big proponent of it. Pretty sure he took it up to Kodiak and did a deer hunt with it this last fall with the guys from Loophold. Like there, there's a lot of hype behind it, and I'm excited about that gun. And that'll probably, I mean, I probably won't get my hands on one for a couple of years, just because I don't necessarily need another gun. I got I'm buying a house, I got some shit to take care of, I but I think that's going to be for like a sheep gun. I think a sheep goat. You know, I'm not if I'm going on a bear hunt. Or I should say, if I'm going on a brown bear hunt, I've got other guns for that. If I'm going on a moose hunt, I've got different guns for that. Any of those other animals, like, or if I'm going on a trip down south, that 6-8 western, I think that's going to be a hard one to beat. Yeah. Well, I'm at the point now. I'm looking. I have a three thirty eight. I've got one. And I've got a 6.5. But I need the in-between. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So either I get a 6-8 western or the 300. Yeah, the three, see, I would probably change, like, that's when you were talking that 28 Nosler, I'd probably substitute that for that 6.8 Western, because in your situation, so your situation, you've got a 338 wind mag, which I think everybody in Alaska, if you're going to own one gun, buy that or a 300 wind mag. 338, everybody's like, that's a big number. Like, that's got a kick, like, they're they're kind of heavy. They're heavier guns. I've got one in a Woodstock ported barrel. I think we're sitting at just sub nine pounds. Thing kicks less than my pre sixty four model seventy and three hundred eight. Thing super you know easy to shoot and it's slinging a big projectile yeah. pretty fast. And I'd be comfortable shooting anything in the world with it. Like maybe outside of an elephant. Thing's are gonna kill some shit, and you can find ammo anywhere for it. You've got a six five Creedmoor, which great deer size. Smaller gun, even caribou. I would take that on a caribou hunt any day of the week. Oh, yeah, caribou, black bear. Yeah, exactly. Like with a good, heavy constructed bullet, you'd be solid with that on any of that. I think 300. My the only thing about 28 Nosler in Alaska is finding the ammo for it. Yeah. And normally, that's you know, you're just splitting hairs there. We're in some squirrely times. You know, I thought this shit was going to come and go about a year ago, and we're still looking down the pipe of, you know, supply chain issues. 300 Win Mag. That's why I bought this T. Like, I truly think I wasn't 100% sold on the 300 until I think the last four out of five brown bears that we've killed on the boat. All of our clients have been carrying 300 Win Mags. Yeah. The most recent one was a 338. And I was like, that might be a little. Not enough gun, but they throw those 225-grain bear claw, heavy-bonded, constructed yeah. bullets. And I I was there for one of the kills. Like, we were, I dropped, or actually two of them. Like, they died fast. Like, you put you put one of those through the boiler room out of a screaming 300, they're going to they're gonna mess some shit up. Once you get to that 220-grain, any higher than that, dude, it's cooking. Yeah. You're you're messing with some serious heat going through there. You're hit, you're hitting them hard, yeah. and you can't you can't go wrong with it. And that was kind of my thought with the uh, that 300 build. Looking back, I'm like, because ah, the Tika is a little light. It's a little. I, I don't want to say hard to shoot. I haven't spent enough time behind the gun, but it is light. 
you know, you're not going to be spotting your own impacts with it. That's just the, you know, you're shooting a non. Sorry, guys. I'm still dealing with some congestion shit, so I'm sorry about the the whole, all the boogers going on. Boogers sucking. <laughs> yeah. But uh, non-ported light rifle. And it, it it kicks a little bit. Nothing bad. You know, any any guy don't want to, you know, say anything bad. But any guy can handle it for the most part. But you're not going to spot your own impacts. But that thing is going to send a wallop down there. I'd probably go a little heavy. I probably wouldn't do, like, the Tika build on it necessarily. I think you could do a different build and kind of optimize it a little better. But I think the 300, if you're looking for something that you're not, you can get light enough to carry as a sheep rifle, but still be confident and grab it off the shelf for like a brown bear hunt, that 300 Win Mag's hard to beat, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you can find it at every gas station in the country in yeah. in normal times, normal times. Yeah, it has been normal times since 2019. Yeah, if that. <laughs> no, that's like SHOT Show just happened and I was listening to some... Last some month? stuff and uh huh it was last month yeah, i'm pretty sure it's this last week really yeah just just got down done down in vegas but there was very little stuff to like drop like new new stuff there's some new gear here and there but yeah, like yeah. when it came to firearms and ammo and stuff it wasn't much new because companies don't like they're like we can't get what we're selling right now out <laughs> you know we're not opening anything you know any other doors open right now except for Leica just came out with a new range finding bino. The it, they only do eight or ten buys, but they're ten by thirty twos. But they're old, like they're su- they're supposed to be super light. The range finding binos with applied ballistics, GP, like oh shit, they're they're there to compete with both the Swarovski uh, EL ranges that have the tracking point system in them, as well as like the Vortex uh, Fury five thousands. Uh, they've got applied ballistics, they're 10 by 32, which they say, you know, you've got smaller objective lenses, it's going to let a little less light in and stuff, but everybody I've heard, they're like, if you, you know, it's going to take like an optic snob to be able to tell the difference really with them, and they say they're just super light in the hand, small, tight, and for like a range-finding bino, because that's always been the knock on range-finding binos, they're heavy, bulky, Exactly, but they're supposed to be freaking the tits, and Leica makes primo stuff. I mean, yeah. they're you know they're, they're one of the top three you know glass companies out there, and I think that's gonna be a game changer. I think I got a new wish list item. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've I've got that smaller eight by. What are they? Eight, I think they're eight by ten. There's the smaller binos. The, maybe, your Maven. Yeah, uh, the B B twos or B, something like that. Uh, I th- think those ones are their C C ones or C twos. I think they're eight yeah. by forty twos. Yeah, but I think I want to get a little little bit more, just a little bit, just to reach out there and a little bigger objective. Yeah, because it was when Kodiak low light all the time, <laughs> yeah. all the time, hella clouds. Yeah, it was just dark, and it's just you know splitting hairs, but. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no glass snob by any means. <laughs> no, as long as I can see further than right now, we're cool. Oh shit! Anything else you wanna scratch or pretty much, pretty much hit her there? Hope we don't get COVID. Stay safe out there. Yeah, goddamn Omicron. Yeah, the Rony Rona's out there. Yeah. Don't let her get you. You'll get the sniffles like me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like always, guys, thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate, like like we said earlier, 
We're 100% sponsored by ourselves, our ambition. We want to give y'all good, good content. We could run ads, but you know, nobody wants to listen to Viagra commercials or anything boring like that. So, you know, we opt to just keep it, keep it straightforward, give y'all what y'all want. All we ask is that you leave a like, leave a rating, share it, do whatever. You know, you don't have to share it. Don't don't gum up your Facebook feed. But, you know, if you take something pro- away from this, if you like us, if you think we're helpful, you think we, you know, you get a laugh out of it, you know, do us a favor. You know, we're going to be doing this regardless, but it's nice to see some gratification a little bit. Just give us, you know, that feeling that we're doing what y'all want us to do. So we'd appreciate that. We'll be back at it again next week. I think we're going to cover some caribou talk because uh, I'm excited to go hunt caribou. But dude, I'm so I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, I'm freaking stoked, especially this time of the year. It's gonna but, be so nice. Yeah. The sun's gonna be out. It's gonna be lovely. <laughs> no wind at all. It's not even gonna be cold. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, but yeah, we'll probably hit you guys up with some caribou content next week. But yeah, if you guys could, you know, help us out a little bit, put our put our platform out there if you guys have any opinions on what you'd like us to cover always you can reach us at sean louve sean underscore louve on instagram or michael underscore swobode on instagram also email in at average alaskan podcast at yahoo.com any questions we'll answer them any you know episode suggestions we'll address them or hit them make a special episode about them or if you think you've got, you personally have something awesome you could bring to this podcast, reach out. We'll bring you on. We'll give you a ring. We'll call you up just like we did Jet. You don't have to be, you don't have to know us as long as you're not crazy person. And if you are, <laughs> we will still do it. And then we will put you on blast afterwards. As long as you know about mushrooms. <laughs> All right. Mushroom expert. Exactly. If you've got some mycology info to share, some fishology Info to share. Mm-hmm. I made that word up, I'm pretty sure. Nope, uh, I heard it. <laughs> no, if you got anything that you think you could share with the podcast, hey, we're not opposed to it. Even if it's a ten minute segment, we'll give we'll give you a hot call. You know, no biggie. This wasn't this is unedited. We called Jet on the Go. This is raw. <laughs> exactly. So thank you guys for listening. Like always, let us know. Like, share, subscribe, download, do whatever. Just stay warm, stay average, go eat some stuff, go catch some stuff, go shoot some stuff, go hike some things, go climb some things, go pick some mushrooms, do what you're going to do, be cool, life's too short to not live it, go have a good one.